0: Of you have had moments of just absolute panic and anxiety and doubt and depression and frustration this past year I'm betting almost every single hand would go up we look at what's going on and it's easy to get overwhelmed we look at a great holiday season that's so much fun and we also see the mound of work that needs to be done and all the money that's going out of our bank account for it. And so there's a lot of stress, even with the holidays. And it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God is faithful. And Jesus's arrival, Jesus's birth reminds us of this. Look at the surrounding details. Matthew 1.18, we see that Jesus was born of a woman. Genesis 3.15, God said, the Messiah will be born of a woman. Matthew 1.21, that a virgin will have Jesus, will bear Jesus. Isaiah seven fourteen. therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew 2, 4 and 5, we see that the Messiah comes from Bethlehem of Judea. In Micah 5, 2, we see that God prophesied the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. In Matthew 2, we see that the Messiah also comes out of Egypt. Numbers 24, 8, We see that God prophesied the Messiah will come out of Egypt. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of years prior to his arrival. God has given his people all the details of it. And so what Jesus' arrival reminds me, and what I hope it reminds you, is that God is faithful. His timing might not be our timing. We might start to question the when, but every prophecy that God gave, he fulfilled. And you can look at dozens and dozens more fulfilled by Christ that God gave his people just eons before his arrival. So guys, let the arrival of Jesus remind you that God is faithful and he is perpetually working out what he has said he will do. And then what do we learn from that one verse, from 121? What's the second lesson we learn about Jesus? Well, we learn that his name itself is significant, and it's indicating the significance of who he is. Jesus means Savior. In Hebrew, the word means the Lord is salvation. Don't overlook this when we get talking about Jesus. When we get thinking about Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 11 and 12. Say, what must we do to be saved? This is in that whole big picture of the early chapters of Acts when you have a great conversation. If, If you're ever wondering, how do I lead someone through salvation? Go to the first six to eight chapters of Acts. And in that chapter, you have this question of what must I do to be saved? And in Acts 4, we see this. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Jesus kind of just gets that one verse in Matthew 1. But that verse reminds us that if you want salvation, you need Jesus. And now let's put those two lessons together. As we're considering this idea, as we're considering Christmas, as we're considering the year behind us, the year ahead of us, as we're considering as a church being a church of impact, being a church in relentless pursuit of holiness, of sanctification, of missional living, let's put those two lessons together. God's faithfulness... In Jesus's salvation and I think this is a really key lesson that unfortunately a lot of us forget at times and there's a lot of pain that comes when we forget it but when we remember these two things we remember that God is faithful to give salvation when we call on Jesus God is faithful to deliver when we call on Christ for salvation, which is our only way to salvation, God is faithful to deliver. So we don't have to be in doubt. We don't have to be in fear. We don't have to be enslaved to anything other than the blessed peace and assurance of God's faithfulness in salvation. Isaiah one4 to five, 18. Listen to God's words. He says, Oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. One of the worst misconceptions about God that breaks my heart is that he's just an angry bully. That he sends people, that he he wants people to go to hell, that he's just up there judging us. Listen to God's word, because you read that first verse, and he's like, Okay, this is all your sin. This is a huge deal of iniquity. Well, how does God in his heart respond to that? He says, why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. God is faithful to cleanse us from our sins. This is his heart. This is Jesus. This is salvation. This isn't guilt. This isn't condemnation. This is conviction that leads to repentance, that leads to righteousness, that leads to pure like snow. You remember a couple weeks ago we looked at 2 Corinthians 5.21? He became sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want a cool little detail tucked away in the Bible? Isaiah 1, God says, Hey, look, I want to make you white like snow. He uses the descriptor, a visual appearance like wool. Daniel 7 9, talking about Jesus. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. That's cool. That's God's faithfulness in forgiving our sins when we call on the name of Christ. Psalm 32. And once again, you talk about God being faithful. It's not like God's forgiveness originated when Jesus came. Let's go back to what God said through David in the Psalms. Psalm 32. The iniquity of my sin. God is faithful. God is faithful in giving us Jesus. God is faithful in giving forgiveness when we repent. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's so encouraging and uplifting at times when the enemy wants me to get bogged down and thinking that I'm still wallowing in who I was. And I can point to scripture and I can say, no, God is faithful. He has forgiven me. I mean, you talk about Romans. Go to Romans 8. What then will they say against us? I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is faithful. David says, when I confessed, you forgave me. 1 John 1, 8-9. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And Jesus points us to all of this. Jesus reminds us that God is faithful, and when we call on his name, God delivers salvation. That's incredible. And that's the only way. That's it. There there are no other options. There are no other choices out there. There's no other pursuit of salvation apart from Christ. There's no other means of it apart from his name and his blood. I love it. We just finished up a series on First and Second Peter. Let's go back to First Peter. First Peter 2 and 3. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So what's the takeaway? What's the takeaway on Christmas Eve? What's the takeaway... On December 17th. What's the takeaway on February 4th? I think there's two main takeaways. When we consider the faithfulness of God as it relates to salvation in the name of Christ. Look, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, listen up, please. If you're joining us online, if you're at your aunt's house and she put this up on the TV and she's making you sit down to watch it, would you listen, please? Unbelievers, you have no chance at salvation apart from Jesus. You have no other options, you have no other avenues to pursue, but God doesn't want you to miss out on salvation. God wants you, God loves you, Jesus died for you. Listen to Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Ezekiel 18, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God. Do I not rather that he should turn from his way and live? When a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he has committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Unbelievers, God doesn't want you to die. God wants you to live. So if you're here this morning, joining us online, physically, whatever, don't choose to remain in death. That's the simple takeaway. Don't choose to remain in death. And then for believers, for those of us on the other side of death promised eternal life because God is faithful, well, don't let our enemy try and get you snagged back in what you once were. Romans 8, 1, and then 33 and 34, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me repeat that. Believers, listen up. If you're here in person, if you're online, believers, pay attention, okay? Okay. There is no condemnation for you. The enemy cannot hold who you once were over your head. The enemy cannot say, oh, hey, God wants you to do this. No, you're incapable of doing this because this is all you'll ever be. This is all you ever are. You're no better. No, he doesn't get to say that because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because God is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins. Because Jesus' name literally means salvation. Verse 33 and 34, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So when the enemy is standing there trying to convict you, you know who's arguing against him? Jesus in heaven's courtroom. Jesus wins that argument every day. Christians, don't let the enemy beat you over the head with guilt. Don't let the enemy convince you or distract you away from a reminder that God is faithful and that salvation is in Christ. Please. So as we celebrate Jesus this season, as we celebrate Jesus every day of our lives, be reminded of these things from the Christmas story. Be reminded that his very birth proves God's faithfulness and that his name reminds us of God's faithfulness for forgiveness and salvation. We're going to pray, and then in a second we're going to go into the uh, the lighting of the candles, and I'm, I'm going to explain why we do that as well, but please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness in doing what we could not do, in dying the perfect death because you lived the perfect life we thank you for the forgiveness of sins Lord for anyone who hears today's message and doesn't know you break down their heart pierce them Lord bring them to salvation do not let them remain in death Kill the pride. Kill whatever it is that holds them back from choosing life. For those of us who know you and are in life, who have been raised to newness of life with Christ, God, remind us of your faithfulness. Don't let the enemy guilt us. Don't let the enemy trip us up. Don't let our, our doubts, our insecurities weigh us down. Remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us of our forgiveness. We praise you for these things. And it's in Jesus' name that means salvation. We say, amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.